Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 195, Ask a Marketing Expert. Presented by Beth Rimmels, Mike Roberts, and Mandy Perry. Whatever works. I'm good. I'm super zen. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. So, well, we're going to try to keep the door open if at all possible because it's really stuffy in here. If noise becomes a problem, then we'll shut it. But because I don't know if you, when you first walked in here a few minutes ago, it was sauna, not in the good way. I did just ask Andy if you could talk about it. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, so, they're still just running a couple little uh, tools thing with that. You are here for, to make sure that you're at the right place, the Ask a Marketing Expert panel, this, well, workshop actually. This is a two-hour presentation. If you cannot stay for the full two hours, that is okay. But we want to give you guys lots of time to ask questions. So, at the hour mark, we will take a quick break in case anybody needs to run to the bathroom, get some more water, whatever. But the only complaint we had last year when we did this panel was there was not enough time for all the questions. So here you go um, for this one. Um, and then I guess we will get going. Um, so I was yes. gonna say introductions. So uh, I am Mandy Perry, uh, my pronouns are they, them. And uh, I am the co-owner of Nerdy Cappy. And uh, my specialization where this is concerned uh, comes from Tumblr marketing for both my Patreon and also mostly for our company, Nerdy Cappy. That's, that's why Beth wants me here. And for the, the Kickstarter that we ran um, a couple of months ago, which was funded in 42 minutes and was 1,300% funded? 1,400% funded? Yeah, so we, we really knocked it out of the park uh, on that project. What so. was that for? Uh, it was for these. We did enamel pins. These were our first uh, enamel pins. They're pro it's a raised solid. I should have brought an image because I didn't think about it. But it's a raised solidarity fist that we did in 17. Yeah, there we go. It's oh, right up there. Nice. So there are, we ended up with uh, 18 different varieties. So like if, if you can think of a flag, we probably have it in, in that variety, and that was one of the things that we really, we really worked for. Um, but that was, that was what we funded in 42 minutes and got way, I mean, it was way beyond what we expected. And 76% um, of our traffic to that came from Tumblr. So, like, that's, that's my jam. And so. Tumblr marketing, in case you don't know, yes, it can be done, but you gotta do it very carefully. Mandy did it really well, which is why I want Mandy on this panel. I also have a workshop. I also want Mandy on this workshop for another reason, which is they and their, their spouse have built a business up from nothing. So if they can do it, you as a new game designer or a new company or whatever can do it. Don't buy this BS that it can't be done. They have. Right. 
Um, also, too, as someone, though, who is doing it in the trenches, you're also a perfect example of, well, you could say Mike and I are the other way. We don't market ourselves because we're so busy marketing other people, so we suck at our own personal marketing. <laughs> Tumblr marketing is very much marketing yourself, and we, we'll get into that in a yeah. little bit, but it is very much like, because, uh, you know, well, well, we'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. Okay. I'm Mike. Um, I have been working in internet marketing for about eight years uh, doing search engine optimization. So my specialization tends towards uh, technical website optimization so that when you show up in rankings, you show up in Google, people are able to actually find you for the things that you should be found for. Uh, I've worked both as uh, an in-house SEO person, so doing the the SEO for the company in the office of the company that I'm working at and then now for the past few years in an agency setting where it's a internet marketing firm and we handle I think we have 36 or so clients that we work with on a regular basis yeah. that run a wide range of stuff from uh, you know from big mortgage companies down to guys who mow your lawn. So we run the whole gamut of everything from small and hyper-local to potentially national or... Well, one international company that we can't name. Yes, and at least one international. Yeah, that is true. Um, I am also Beth's roommate and in-house playtester. Um, <laughs> I don't design games. I enjoy playing them. She is in the process of designing a game. So just in case she wasn't going to push the fact that she has a game and she's doing this and she's in the trenches like all of you, I will make sure that she gets that info out there. However, he is a very good playtester. He's very good at picking apart games. And that's one of the things he does at Metopia is that he hangs outside and vapes and tells people what they're doing wrong. So. Yes, I, I've gotten into the horrible habit of instead of filling my schedule with playtesting everything I can, I instead wind up taking breaks to watch Mean Girls and then go outside and vape and people ask me the weirdest questions and I just go. So if you want to catch me outside and have me like compare something to 17 other games I've played and just spitball stuff, that's what I do most of the time here. Yeah, yeah, cash me outside. Yeah. He has fixed games. And hi, I am Beth Rimmels. Uh, let's see. So if you've been marketing for eight years, I guess I've been doing it for nine because I started before yeah. you. So again, mix of I've been both in-house for various companies, um, some selling products, another one selling a service. And now I actually work at the same digital marketing agency he does. So again, same, same list of clients. I originally come to marketing from publishing. So when it comes to PR and promotion, I've done it from both sides. I've been the editor that PR marketing people have pitched, and then I'm also the, the person trying to get into that. Um, and yes, I'm also a game designer. Awesome eights, it's on the schedules, duels and detentions. Anyway, um, <laughs> so um, we do want to kind of give you like a little quick overview of different specialties, and then we're going to open up and it's all questions for everything you guys want. But we want to kind of give you a few nuggets of things that you really need to know that you probably don't know. So starting with that. So I'm gonna start. Oh, oh yes, one, sorry. One quick thing. Yes. Um, 
because I, I have this lovely tool that my job has paid for that will look at like crazy technical problems, anything like that. If anyone has a website that they want me to run a quick technical audit of, I'll be running that in the background while we actually talk and then you want to afterwards. And see what you see? <laughs> what does Seriously. What does that mean? Yeah. Hmm? What does that mean? Um, it's a wide range of things. So specifically, you would be looking for if there are, um, like last year, there were a handful of people who had issues where they had no idea what a meta tag was, a meta description. Their site had no descriptions on it, or their titles were default titles that their you know WordPress site put in, and they weren't optimizing for anything, or it was too long and getting cut off in search results, or just completely blank. So it's just looking for things like that. So this this tool so by being picks an apart and pulls up stuff. Find things wrong with your site that they're stopping you from ranking. Yeah. So it's oh, just okay. just some of the the background things that sure. could help get people to find you. Uh, so if there are like tons of broken links on your site, if it turns out none of your images have any alt tags on it, this will find a bunch of those. That way maybe I can give you a few things that you can go home and work on yeah. afterwards. Is there any difference between like a self-made site and a site that uses like, like Wix.com or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I do Wix. Does that make a difference? Okay, one mm. problem. I don't know if they fixed this. But one thing that I've heard about Wix sites is that if you register your domain through Wix and then have Wix host it, you don't own your own domain. Okay, so that's, that's, so that's better. I don't that's know if due to complaints Wix has fixed that, but it's one of the reasons why I do not recommend Wix sites. Yeah. The sites a lot of times that are super easy to set up sometimes on the back end have problems that you don't know about. Uh, some of the stuff in here, depending upon the, the site architecture, you might not be able to handle directly yourself. You might not have access to it. I know if you have uh, a WordPress site, you can definitely do 90% of the stuff on here yourself just by logging in. Some of them, you might not be able to put in certain types of tags. Like You might not be able to put in a language tag on a certain form of site, but that might not be a problem for you. Um, you know, you might not be able to perfectly optimize an alt tag on a certain type of site structure. But at least these, this would give you some ideas of things to look into. Yeah. Maybe when, you know, you decide to rebuild your site because your game's doing so well and you have the money coming in, these are the things to turn around to someone and be like, hey, I need you to code such and such so I can fix this finally. So I just want to, if anyone has any sites that they want me to look at, especially if you have a card, that would be helpful. I'll just take like a business card, type it in, do this in the background. Uh, otherwise, it's not a game site. Well, no, I'll look at any site. It's fine. Say, my, uh, my or if you want to like write it down on post-its or something, sure, sure. pass it around. I can just start running some of these, and then after we do all the other talking, I'll pull up whatever's been finished by this tool. Okay. Um. So if you, you wanted to yeah, circle okay. back to... Well, I was going to say, you, let's start with the like the one know. or two things that they yeah. really need to know. So um, the, the first thing that I would say is if you approach Tumblr from the mind that you are going to A, buy ads on it, and it's going to be a great tool for you, uh, or that you are going to... I guess you can add to it if you want. Sorry. It's okay. Or is everybody settled? Or? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're right now. Uh, yeah, no. I just... Um, if you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, go and uh, um, 
you know, buy ads and it's going to be great or you're going to approach it as a, a marketing tool similar to the way that you would, um, you know, set up a Facebook business page and, you know, do even like content marketing and stuff like that. Um, I think that's right. Then you're going to, you're going to have a bad time. Um, Tumblr's audience is distinctly younger than Facebook's and they're extremely media savvy and they know when they're being sold. I've never seen Tumblr. I have no idea what it is or how yeah. it functions. Um, <laughs> I am not that young. It functions poorly. I mean, I'm 41, <laughs> but I mean, I, I just happen to be on it uh, and my daughter's 18. Um, but Tumblr is, uh, it is a very different site structure. Um, so it, it may not be for everyone, you know, in terms of it's not, if you take like a Facebook feed, and uh, you view it as like a Facebook feed where there's like infinitely branching conversation threads. That's a that's kind of what the architecture is like. Where like I would put up a post and then you could reblog that post, and it's now it's on your your page. Mm -hmm. So I don't I can't make you take it down from your page. Okay. okay. Um, but then it can also it spreads and it branches. It's it's perfect for viral marketing, but so it also so people comment on the third parties where they have a post. You can see. Do you see that on yours? Or yes. Do you have to so the. So there's there's two different ways to um, there's two different ways for uh, people to interact with the Tumblr post. One is to reblog it, and the other one is to reply to it. Okay, you as the post writer have full control over replies. Uh, you as the post originator have only so much control over reblogs. So if someone were to like post A gets reblogged to somebody's site. To somebody else's Tumblr, um, you can't delete that. But if somebody comments like a reply to it on B, that you have full control over because it's your main. Even post. though it's through somebody if else's it's, Tumblr. Account. But it's a reply to your original post. So Reblogs always feeds back to you as the originator. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you take the original post down, you won't see anything okay. anymore. But it'll still exist out there in the wild if people have reblogged it. <laughs> it it basically it does to a certain extent what happens on tumblr does escape your control a little bit and you have to be at home with the idea that if you if you are on tumblr some things are going to be out of your control a little bit and is it only words like only no words and pictures and and i'll show you some of the stuff videos in it, and everything videos and everything um yeah, uh, and we'll we'll put it up there in a little bit to, to kind of uh, give you an idea of, of how we format some of our stuff. Um, but like, if, if you go to Tumblr with the idea that you are going to set up a business thing, and and it's going to be your marketing tool, you're gonna have a bad time because these kids know when they're being marketed to. They're very uh, advertising savvy. They're very media savvy, and I think part of the reason why we've been as successful as we have is that, um, this is my partner, my, my spouse Steve over here is the other half of Nerdy oh, Cappy. Um, we existed on Tumblr before we started the company and we existed as individuals. And there's a certain amount of, and we'll get into this later, is, is of marketing, your, you, are part, you are part of the brand when you're on Tumblr. Like there's, you can't really extract the two. You know, like we are Nerdy Cappy and, and that's part of, of who we are. So you really need to be aware of that um, and that authenticity uh, is going to be the thing that will make you successful. Authenticity and transparently, transparency. So you get followers. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, I have uh, 
at eight thousand right now, like which is, yeah, I have a so little over like eight thousand. It's of like thing. an Instagram kind of thing, but it, it, Tumblr does not have the people who I know who have the largest followings uh, in terms of like game folks and writing folks are at about thirty to fifty thousand. So I'm a I'm like a B list Tumblr person. Okay, um, you don't get to the Instagram, you know, millions and millions of followers. It's not. It's a it's a more niche site. Um, and the kids on Tumblr are, um, it, it tends to skew young, it tends to skew left, and it tends to skew very queer. Um, so those are the, you know, if, if that's your niche, and again, that's kind of what our company does. So that's part of why we've done so well there is because we fit what's on the site. You know, we are on a platform that suits what we're doing. So those are the, the things I would tend to say. And uh, also, you will get no support. It's like being on Twitter. You will get no support from staff. Um, so you have to use your block button very, very liberally um, because there is a Nazi problem on Tumblr the same way there's a Nazi problem on Twitter. So you have to be just aware, especially since because when it once it hits a reblog, you know, like it can kind of get out of your control a little bit. If you see something you know go somewhere you don't want it to go you have to be very quick with the re to, with to start blocking people in a chain before things get out of your control and your content ends up places that you don't want it to be so mike what what should they know about search engine optimization maybe we'll explain what search engine optimization is <laughs> oh god <clears throat> okay so i would assume everyone has used google yes. maybe not bing but, uh, <laughs> but Bing is part of it. Jeeves or did Jeeves die? <laughs> That's Jeeves. Jeeves is gone. Yes, Jeeves is dead. Okay. Yahoo still exists. You can search on Yahoo, something, but Yahoo is now bomb. also Bing, so that's not really a problem. Uh, so search engine optimization is essentially... Okay, so Google has this crazy overarching algorithm whole lot of math that they have put together and built on for years that somehow magically determines which page should be number one for a term versus, you know, on the second page for a term. So search engine optimization is the testing of all of these things to figure out what's the way to get you to actually show up for the things that you're supposed to. And then people abuse this and Google changes the rules and then everything gets shuffled around and we all have to figure it out again. This happens every couple months. Um, so what we do in, in search engine optimization is we do research on sites, we do <clears throat> research for keywords, we try to figure out what is this site about, what sort of people are you trying to reach, what words are they using that you should show up for. Um, what is often a problem that we run into is people who, you know, they're, they're knee-deep in all the craziness with their business know their business terms. They know their buzzwords. They know the things they think that people should be finding them for. They don't necessarily know what people are actually looking for that's related to it. You know, you're so, so hung up on certain things that you're like, oh no, we're known for being you know, blue widgets. People are going to look up blue widgets. Our industry is blue widgets. And you find out, now they're looking up blue thingamabobs, but you wouldn't know that because that's the business term that you're stuck in. So we do a lot of the research. We find what's called um, latent semantic indexing. So these are the similar words, the things that are close or related to that. We try to build out content for that. Try to optimize the title tags. So 
the things that pop up here, all of the words that show up there, or the ones that show up in the search result has the name of your page. Um, if you've ever done a search, so I'm just going to type in gaming. Um, we do things like optimizing the uh, meta descriptions. So these are the things that show up right here. It's a little blurb. So people know right away, oh, this is what this page is about. This is why I should click on it. So SEO tries to tailor your content for the people that should be finding it. So that way they're grasped right away. They know that this is the thing that I need. And then they click on it and hopefully give you money, sign up for your newsletter, whatever it might be that you're trying to do to you know, make a conversion in whatever your industry might be. Google gave up using meta keywords forever ago. So the meta keywords tag, Google stopped that ages ago because people abused it. Bing still does use it, but it's mostly for news. But other things like the title tag and the meta description, they still use. Uh, or meta robots tags, they still use. It's just that meta keywords they don't. Hmm? Uh, meta tags are things that say meta in front of them in the source code of your site. More broadly, it's information about your information. Because it's how they classify your site. Do you have control over that? Depending on how your website's set up, yes. Really? So when you put a title tag on your website, it's what shows up at the top of the browser. Right, so like if you look at my Tumblr, it says the Wizard House, which is the meta tag for, that's the name of my blog, so that's how it gets tagged, and that shows up, or if you go over, and, like we went to my business website, it would say Quality Queerwear by Nerdy Kepi. Right. So like that, that's what that is, you know, and, it, and it'll show you my, our little, or show our, our logo as the little icon. Another example is it's not as easy for, uh, to, to have this, this huge search engine identify what photos are. So a description of mm -hmm. what the what's in the photo tells it that. Yeah, those are alt tags, and alt tags are becoming really important because now ADA compliance with websites is yep. becoming a thing. We have a client who got sued over it. Yeah, it's analogous. It's the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. It makes it easier for the search engine to find what right. you're talking about. That's right. the, uh, um, the other thing I would just want to piggyback real fast into what Mike said. You know, every now and then, if you like read different business, you know, magazines and stuff like that, they'll come in and they'll say, you know, such and such is dead. And periodically, one of the things they'll say is SEO is dead. Yeah, no, it's not because voice search is growing. If you have ever picked up your phone and said, "Hey Siri," whatever, you know, "Hey Siri," where is there a plumber near me? Where is there a this near me? They're using search engine optimization to give you those recommendations. Or Alexa, or... Or Alexa, or Google Home, or whatever. Yep. That is search engine optimization at work. And at work, we are doing more and more stuff now geared to how people phrase things because voice search is becoming a big deal. Um, the other thing I just kind of want to piggyback on for what Mike said is one of the big misnomers people don't seem to understand sometimes with search engine optimization is that it's not about people searching for the name of your company or the name of your product. If you should be coming up for that, obviously. It's for when, if they Google role-playing game, family-friendly board game, science fiction game, mm -hmm. where do you come up in those lists? 
One of the things that we put on when we were on Etsy a lot of the time was gay wedding present. Yep. I mean, like, that was that was one of our ten tags on literally everything. It didn't matter what it was because if we put gay wedding present, if somebody was searching for something for a, you know, a queer wedding, they would end up on, they'd find us, hopefully, you know. Um, and you have to think kind of, like, expansively, like, not only, you know, what is your thing, but why are people looking for you, you know. Now, but that probably worked partially, though, because you were on Etsy, so people think Etsy and presents. Right, but I'll... If you tried doing that, though, a little too broad on oh, a sure. regular website... Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, Google's going to ping you because you're not relevant. Right. Websites have a relevancy score to a given search term. Right. So, you know, you have a role-playing game, and but something comes up for plumbing. Obviously, you're not relevant to that. You know? right. But so all of a sudden, you put plumbing terms in your back-end code for this stuff. It's not relevant. Google's going to be like, no, 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 they're playing games, because that's not yeah. what their site's really about. But we also have gay pride flag on everything. Yep. And it, because whether or not it's specifically the rainbow flag, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a, you know, or queer pride or whatever, like, you just have to go a little bit broader than what the exact item is, exact thing that, that people are searching for. Right. So these are the hashtags that you say are uh, it's the equivalent of a hashtag, yeah. I mean, like, uh, we use Shopify for our back end, um, and that'll put meta tags on things um, so that not only so that people can search from within our store, um, but also so that, you know, that ends up as the meta tags for Google. So you could think of it, like, as a hashtag for Instagram, kind of, but, but for search engines. And also for, like, internal search, too. Because one of the things that we found was that I had somebody send me uh, an, uh, a request through our website saying, I can't find any of your um, asexual pride stuff. And it was because we have, we have uh, in our style for our website that we write out asexual. And what they were searching was ace, A-C-E, pride. And so they, since they were searching for ace pride and not asexual pride, they literally could not find our 400 ace pride things. <laughs> like that, they couldn't. So you have to think about how abbreviations and how people look for things and like that's... Synonyms like you said before. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's when Michael, when Mike used the term latent semantic indexing, which sounds like a scary term, but that's basically what that means. It's the alternate terms for things. So like if I'm writing page copy for, for one of our website clients, that's, you know, to be SEO optimized and everything else, I'm going to be using both, ace, using your example, asexual and ace and a few other things mixed into the copy. So this way then it, first of all, it's going to flow better anyway, but then it's more likely to be found. Yeah, next we do is different things. Okay, so for me, for general marketing and uh, um, social media marketing is more my bailiwick. Um, so a couple things that you need to know. If you haven't already and you are starting a website, you are starting a business, grab your name on all social media platforms. Even if you never use them, you are better off having them then later on, all of a sudden, you're doing something that's really relevant, and that would be the perfect outlet for it, or you want to build up that channel, and guess what? Your name's taken by somebody else. Yep. So that's the first thing. Grab your names. Yep. Um, that said, don't try to do everything at once, because it will make you, well, I'm not going to use that word. Uh, it, it, it will stress you out. Yes, it will stress you out. Um, yeah, it's, uh, don't. And the thing is also too, like, yes, grab your Instagram uh, um, profile, but by the same token for a lot of stuff with games, unless you're very visual or you have somebody on your team who's very visual, Instagram may not be your place, you know. Instagram, there's a reason why 
food, fashion, and um, and like makeup and beauty stuff are very popular on Instagram because they're very visual. That said, you can make anything work if you try and you put the effort into it, but you're always better off grabbing grabbing your uh, your thing. Um, what's the other thing I want to start off with for marketing? I was gonna say, Instagram actually works as a way to keep your brain clutter down too, uh, if you use it, because I use it because you can bounce from Instagram to Tumblr, to Facebook business, and to Twitter from one place. So you True. can use it as a, a centralizing point, even if Instagram isn't your primary profile, right. or primary place, and we don't have that many followers on Instagram. But I use Instagram to be able to clean up images quickly and toss them, and then they, flow onto Tumblr, they flow onto Facebook business, which is where we have more of our right. followers, but it keeps my mental noise down because I, everything comes from Instagram and goes out to everywhere. Which is the other thing, whichever one you're going to focus on, learn it. Don't try to treat them all the same because they're not. The audiences are different. The, the trends and things are different. Like on Twitter, if you're using more than three or four hashtags, people are gonna look at you funny. If you're on Instagram, you want to use no less than 10. Mm -hmm. and Maybe as many as no less than 15. Mm -hmm. So each platform is different. You're go, you need to learn the platform and what works. So which platform should you start with first? If you're, if you're going to use one of those, that's going to depend upon two things. Which one are you more comfortable with? Because start there, go play to your <coughs> strengths. Mm -hmm. But then if you're doing advertising, you're probably going to want to deal with Facebook. Because Facebook is the, sing I, I don't like Facebook, but is the single most cost-effective advertising out there bar none. Because you can target very carefully and spend very little and hit your mark. However, don't use the boost button. I didn't know that. Yes, that's an amateur move. Facebook even tells you don't use the boost button. The I don't use it, but I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> the idea of the boost button is supposed to be that you have a post that's doing a little well, or you just want to get a little attention on this post, but it's like, that, like you're coming to Metatopia. It's not something you want to put like serious ad dollars behind, but you want people to see it. So you hit the boost button, you pay five, 10, maybe 20 bucks on it, and that's it, and you're done. The problem is though, the boost button does not allow all that targeting that you can do in other parts of Facebook. So, it's the quick hit. You're not supposed to use it for any more than 20% of your Facebook marketing budget. If you're going to be placing ads, like, hi, I have a new product out, or we're going to be debuting this thing at Gen Con, or whatever it is that you're doing, I, I, yes, it may seem a tiny bit scary, but get make friends with Ad Manager. They have more tutorials in it now, so it's much more user-friendly than what it used to be. And there's lots of stuff that you can Google, figure out how to use it. Go into Ad Manager, set up an ad properly. Mm -hmm. And like I said, they will walk you through it and spend the money in there because there you can carefully pick. Like if you're doing a Kickstarter, you want to set up as your target audience people who like Kickstarters, people who like Board Game Geek if it's a board game, or people who like RPGs, you know, taking, but you want to hit those two if you're doing a game. And then whatever terms and everything else you're looking for because that's how you're going to hit your target market. You don't want to be, you know, searching for, you know, aliens unless it's a game about aliens. And even then, kick, they like Kickstarter, they like aliens, they like, you know, board game geek because mm -hmm. it's going to target your audience carefully. So, uh, I was going to say, when you were talking about hashtags, um, one important thing to know about Tumblr is only your first five hashtags count. Those are the only five, those are the only ones that are searchable. 
Um, people actually have conversations in the hashtags on Tumblr. Like they'll put things that are kind of like a an afterthought or something they don't want to put in the main post or you know whatever. It's it's a cultural thing. But if you want somebody to be able to find your post on Tumblr, only the first five hashtags count. So you know we always will put like you know what we want to be searchable. But then like our sixth hashtag will be nerdy Cappy because that's more for our internal indexing so that somebody could go to, you know, my, because it's my personal Tumblr, they could go to baspider.tumblr.com slash search slash nerdykepi and they could find all of our stuff about our shop. And it also lets us quickly find what's on our shop. But nobody's out there on Tumblr. Well, I mean, people might, I don't know. But um, that's not something where we're trying to pull in people who don't know, who already know who we are, you know? So I would, we'd, I'd have queer pride, I'd have, you know, whatever it is that I, I'm t targeting with that particular post to try to, to pull people in. Um, and then like anything that I wanted for subclassification for my own to be able to find that post later or whatever, I would put in the sixth, seventh, eighth mm -hmm. hashtags for my own personal edification or being able to find it later on. I do something similar now because now I'm writing for Endworld, um, doing interviews and reviews of products. And um, because I put a lot of stuff out on Twitter, I've started putting hashtag Endworld into all of my tweets about that. So this way then anybody looking for any of my Endworld articles or anything, because the official Endworld account technically is Mars. So if you're trying to tag it, it's a little weird and awkward. You know, mm -hmm. you're tagging more him, but then it says Endworld, so it's, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Because I'm not tagging him, I'm trying to label my articles. Right. So it's easier. I'm trying to get the other writers to start doing the same thing. So this way then we can make it like a thing and people can search and find all of our stuff. Mm -hmm. Make it easier. Of course, people don't listen. So <laughs> that goes with that. So that's kind of the prepared portion of the site. Let's turn this over to you guys because that's the whole point of this. We deal with your actual issues and questions. So who's got a question? And don't be shy. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Yes? Um, you mentioned that Twitter, you'd be looked at funny if you use more than a couple hashtags. Mm -hmm. But if we use Instagram to put like cross post on like the other, like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, won't it take Instagram's like 15 or so hashtags and put it on Twitter? Or how does that work? There's, there's a limit of yeah. how much is going to flow over. So, I mean, like, there, I've never had an issue personally with. Uh, posts that flow over from Instagram being looked at funny because people know you can see that the posts are coming from Instagram because there's a, an Instagram link the one thing I will say is if it's a, a specifically visual thing uh, I would not post from Instagram to Twitter I would do a separate post to Twitter like it because right because what it's it's not gonna flow the image over it's gonna flow a link over and people are gonna have to click that link you know people are gonna click the link you know, so, so you want to put it. Flow the image. <laughs> it does not flow the image. But uh, if you're just if you're for your everyday stuff, it flows the image to Facebook. It flows the image to Tumblr. It does not flow the image to Twitter. Because each one's different. Yeah, yeah each one. that different. issue where if you have a set of images, it doesn't flow well to Facebook or something. Um, like that. so set of images will flow to Facebook. A set of images will not flow to Tumblr. Okay. So I do. I use layout to condense. Uh, images. If I want to do, say, I have like um, you know a new set of leggings that I'm putting out, and I want to show that we have multiple different pride flags in those <coughs> leggings, I will use layout, and I will you know have one that's large, and then a couple of other ones that are small. All so it's one so it's one image, okay. and I'll use the layout app to make sure that it's on a single image because then it will flow properly, and I don't have any issues. Okay. So and then the other thing, just going to go back to the prior question. Um, 
not so much for Instagram because I don't bother really for my personal stuff with Instagram. I'm word girl, so Instagram for my personal stuff doesn't work very well. Um, but uh, I use different social media scheduling tools. And so like say I have an N-World article go live, I then use the tool and it will let me simultaneously post to uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, there's a Facebook option, but I don't like how they do Facebook, so Facebook's I do manually. Mm -hmm. um, they do Pinterest, actually I haven't, I haven't set up the Pinterest, I need to do Pinterest. I don't mess with Pinterest, I really should, but yeah, I don't um, mess with Pinterest it. is a whole other thing. But, um, whatchamacallit, but so say like, if it's a marketing thing that I'm doing, or in World Oracle, whatever, if it's something that I do want to go to both Twitter and LinkedIn, because I do have a presence that I cultivate on LinkedIn, um, the, I use a tool called Buffer. So with one click, it brings up the prompt, and I just get to click in what do I want to do, and then I can customize it. So it's gonna pull up the meta description, going back to what he said before, or the meta tag for the article, and it'll pick up a source, and then it'll pick up the link. But so then I can customize, I want these hashtags on Twitter, I don't want any hashtags on LinkedIn, and so forth. But like I said, for, um, for Facebook, I tend to just go in and do manually because I don't like the way it lays out from the tool of Facebook. So. I've been using Instagram and hashtags for less than a month, so I'm really super green at it. But um, say after I post a piece of artwork, I'll post a descript like the title of it and a description, and then I start the hashtags. Is that proper, and does that all well, that carry over as well? Uh, what's what's, what's so pushing from where to where? Instagram to say Facebook or. That should flow. Uh, so, really use that part. so when when I do it, um, I, I will. I try to integrate some of my hashtags into the text, um, just so because it's a little more natural and you don't have this at the end where it's all hashtags. There are some things that you're never going to be able, like for me, like Instagay and stuff like that. You're, not, I'm not going to be able to integrate that into the text. But if I'm talking about like you know buy pride leggings and I'll put hashtag buy pride leggings in the text itself. Those hashtags will flow over to Tumblr. I don't know, Facebook, it just ends up as text. Um, because Facebook doesn't, Facebook hash doesn't really hashtag very well. Um, and it does flow over to Twitter. Um, so again, for if you're looking to have it flow over to Tumblr, you wanna be mindful about your tag order. You know, what do you want? You know, because if, if you integrate a hashtag into your text, that's gonna be tag number one when it flows over to Tumblr. You know, like that by pride will be tag number one so of my five that really matter for searchability on Tumblr. Now, while hashtags don't work nearly as well on Facebook as they do on Instagram and Twitter and other things, you okay. will sometimes want to do a hashtag because if you're doing like a phrase or something mm -hmm. to make it easier for people to search, yep. it's so much easier for them to search for it as a hashtag than as the individual words. So okay. that's a little bit of strategy depending upon what you're doing. Like if you're trying to do a catchphrase or something. And even though it may not search on Facebook, if people see it on, stage, on, on Facebook and they see the hashtag, they'll know that's a thing they can search. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Right. So that, that, so Facebook's weird, really, they've never really, uh, hashtags never really caught on there the way they have on the other platforms, but they can be used to your advantage. This is probably why Facebook owns Instagram now, so yes. they don't have to deal with it on Facebook. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, Facebook, uh, Facebook also too, they buy up stuff because they own WhatsApp, they own uh, mm -hmm. Oculus Rift for uh, the uh, virtual reality stuff, they own Instagram. 
Mark Zuckerberg lives in dire fear of becoming irrelevant and Facebook becoming MySpace. Yep. So that is why they are constantly always trying to reach out and do things. The one thing I will say is for, for Tumblr specifically that has been really, really successful for us uh, for ongoing marketing purposes are affiliates. And I know that people who market on uh, Instagram do this as well. Um, we have a couple that, and I would, I would say, you know, set aside some time to go look for um, shopping blogs that are related specifically to whatever it is that you're trying mm -hmm. to market. We have a couple that we work with. One's called Little Alien and another one is called Magical Shopping. And um, the great thing about that with, with affiliates is that affiliates are free to you unless they produce. Um, so what we do... Um, uh, no. No. no, no um, it's, it's a... Uh, um, Magical Shopping is, is our most productive affiliate and, and I adore them. Um, so what we do is they have their own discount code um, for anything that they promote for us. People can come over and use the, the specific code that we gave them um, and they'll get 10% off of their entire order. And you can, you know, however your, um, you know, discounting works or whatever, however you want to track that with them. Um, if someone comes over from Magical Shopping and they put in the discount code, they'll get 10% off their entire order, which incentivizes the customer. And then um, the person who does, who runs Magical Shopping, uh, Rini, she gets a 5% bounty. So it's, to me, it's the same as if I ran a 15% sale, except it only, like I only have to pay out to Rini if people come in and use her code. It's, it's part of my marketing budget, but it doesn't actually cost me anything unless Rini's posts produce. So we have five, five, six affiliates, four, something like that, five right now. And um, we have two that produce consistently, you know, because they, they have a good market that matches you know, uh, our target audience and um, Rini especially is very um, good at putting together those things. And I, you know, every week I run the discount code report and I PayPal her, her bounty and it's good, you know, and it's, it's cheaper than Facebook and the money is going to somebody within my community rather than going to Mark Zuckerberg. So I, I highly, for just from an ethical perspective, I love it. And from a targeted marketing pers you know, perspective, I love it. And from a, I don't have to pay out unless this partnership actually produces perspective, it's fantastic. So definitely I would say, you know, if you're looking at doing something like that on Instagram or on Tumblr, where both of those things are, are more prevalent, I would look into affiliates. I'd spend some time searching for blogs that are, you know, shopping blogs or whatever that are related to the thing that you're, you know, that you're interested in and that you're you're trying to promote as your business. To that sort of thing? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that you know what I I've now some of them you know there have been people that I've sent messages to and they've never gotten back to me. But for the most part, um, the people who have these kind of blogs, that's how they make their money. It used to be, especially for Etsy, that they had their own affiliate links that they would put into the post and it was universal to Etsy mm -hmm. and it was not specific to any particular store, okay? Um, but in the last six months or so, Etsy started disallowing uh, affiliate links. They, they weren't getting any credit for their affiliate links specifically coming from uh, I want to say Tumblr and there's one other site, but Tumblr was where a lot of them were. And so like the bottom really fell out for some of these, these shopping blogs who have, you know, thousands and thousands more followers than I do because they're specifically there for people to see cute 
things. Why would they do that? That doesn't hurt their sales. They didn't want to pay out, and I, th I think they. I, I don't know why Etsy did everything that they did. We really we left Etsy for the most part a few months ago because they jacked up their fees. They were taking like twelve percent of our income when wow. we actually it was it was ugly. Like they really they really jacked up their fees on all of their sellers, and we realized that since we drive most of our own traffic. Um, that it was more sensible for us to move to a different platform. So um, Etsy has made a lot of decisions in the last six months or so that serve the shareholders and don't serve the people on the market. And I think they're counting on people being dependent on the eyeballs that Etsy brings them. Like a lot of the smaller artists who don't drive a lot of their own traffic, um, being dependent on Etsy and being kind of stuck with them. We are not dependent on Etsy and so we, we broke to a certain extent. And so the, I, I can't tell you why they made those decisions. They're, okay, they're not very so affiliate thing. That's something that's managed within your sales software, your website? That is how we do it. And it makes the most sense to us to do it that way. I'm sure there are, are other ways to do it, but the way that I do it, because we use Shopify, um, is that I have, you know, like I said, they have discount codes. And I go in every Tuesday after all the information is updated from the weekend. I run those reports and I say, okay, how many times in the last week was that discount code used? Um, was it used at all? What was the gross sales? Okay, you know, Rini brought us $100 in sales, so Rini gets five bucks, you know, because Rini gets 5% of whatever she brings me. And use the pre-discount amount and PayPal her her five bucks. And she gets five bucks from us, she gets five bucks from somebody else, you know, and that's how she makes and uh, her money. I was going to say affiliate marketing is huge. You don't really see it much in the game industry, mm -hmm. but if you go into things for like the self-help industry, I know people who made their entire livings off of yep. being affiliates mm -hmm. of bigger people. Mm -hmm. Same goes in business services. Um, a lot of the emails that I get at work for blogs and everything else, they are affiliates for someone else. So when big person here has a vent, second tier people are affiliates, they push that and they get a portion of the money. Mm -hmm. So I don't really see it much in gaming, but it works. And by the way, affiliate marketing also works with email marketing. Mm -hmm. When you're doing through the business <coughs> through the business sites, that's mainly how they are doing it, mm -hmm. is through email marketing. So the uh, you know, you know, uh, did you ever wonder about you know how how this person filled out all these workshops? Mm -hmm. You know, learn the secrets. That sort of thing. Yeah, fashion and stuff is is really fashion and and. Uh, makeup and stuff beauty. affiliate you know it's beauty it's very jewelry. affiliate jewelry affiliate marketing is huge yeah yeah I, I just wanted to say if, if it's for example you and your spouse starting a small business and you don't really know anything about advertising it's a literally overhead free way of using somebody else's expertise and in, in advertising and marketing to make money yeah. so. you're tapping into their <coughs> following so um, do you have any of the hmm? Uh, any of those? Uh, is is, is Pelgrane Press still here? Yes. Yeah. My God. I know it's a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to single you out. No, but, but, but I wanted to make worse. sure with people leaving, yeah, I'm like just in case. Yeah. I know. Okay. I, I kind of I was I was touring about <clears throat> whether or not I should you know get you to look but I expect it to be pretty these, these, are, these are some important things to point out for yeah. lots of people. So the Pelgrane Press site is built off of WordPress. Yeah. See that on there, and it is wonderful. But 
what's become very important in Google in the past year has been having a security certificate on your site. So having the SSL, uh, which basically just means if you see the HTTPS, that's a secured version of the site. Um, How do you get that? It's just basically can, a fee that you pay and that they installed it on your site. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there are numerous third-party ways, especially through WordPress, to, to get again? SSL. Um, Your hosting company should be. I forget what it's it called. Se Secure oh, something. God, I don't remember. Site listing or something. I can never remember what half of the acronyms I use actually stand Secure for. Secure socket layer. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I hate when my brain. <laughs> it's okay. I, did, I wanted to wait and I wasn't going to jump on you. It's no, secure socket layer. And like I said, yeah. now it's a ranking factor for Google. So if you don't have that, they're going to rank you lower. Okay. Whoever we pay for our domain name to, is we can give that to us. That's one of the places. Yes. Um. You. Well. Okay. Oops. Sorry. Too many. So it's usually through whoever hosts your site, not through whoever you buy the domain name from. Okay. So you can own your domain name or you could essentially be paying someone for your domain name. But whoever hosts it, whatever company has it, whether that's Bluehost, um, yeah. GoDaddy, Blue GoDaddy, Liquid Web, whoever has, whoever's hosting all of your site's information, those are the people that would be able to get you everything set up for uh, for the SSL. It's a very important thing to have. Um, really sorry to pick on you. No, I'm no, really sorry to pick on it, you. Bring it on. <clears throat> but this is also another wonderful thing to point out. In in the case of the Pelgrim Press site, unfortunately you can't really see it there. It's set up on a subdomain. What? I don't know why. I don't know why. So normally you'd see a site that has www dot whatever. Or you can just not have that www dot and it's just yoursite.com. Now when you get into a situation where in Pelgrane's place it's site.pelgranepress.com, that can actually throw off some things in Google rankings because they know that your site is Pelgrane Press, but everything's getting directed to something that is not Pelgrane Press, but is on Pelgrane Press, which can cause some issues with things popping up correctly with people finding the site. Um, also, another important thing to look into, especially if you're on WordPress, it's really easy to do this, but redirecting pages. Mm. So if you delete something on your site, while in your mind it's been deleted if it existed before Google may have indexed it Bing may have indexed it they might still be sending people to a page that's dead there's nothing there it's how you wind up on the the 404 not found pages uh, but it's also useful for there are every site appears for four different things even though they're the exact same site so you could have HTTP your site HTTPS, your site, HTTP, www.yoursite, and HTTPS, www.yoursite. And while it all should be the same thing, it all sounds like it's the same thing, it's not to the 
bots that the search engines use to find your site. So it's very important to set up proper redirects. So there are tons of tools out there. Usually they're called like redirection or simple 301. And that's how you, you plug in what's the wrong page and what's the right page. So that way the bots know, oh, if I hit this, I should go here instead. So I'm picking on Pelgrane because unfortunately the site doesn't actually do that either, which you should really look into because it's, it's a simple little thing and it does a world of damage. Uh, so in this case, like we have site.pelgrainepress, which is not secure, but then we have the secured version of Pelgrane Press, of site.pelgrane Press. But if you just go to Pelgrane Press, it doesn't bring you to the secure version. There's, there is a secure version, that's a good thing. But if I just go to pelgranepress.com, oh, I'm doing the wrong things now. Yeah. If I just go to pelgranepress.com, it's not sending me to the secured version. So you don't, should always send people to the secured one, especially if you have any sort of personal information that shows up anywhere, even if that's as simple as someone giving you their email address. Because if it's not secure, you never know. There have been tons of hacks of everything in the world lately. Uh, but having that secure layer helps. It's not going to be perfect, but it's far better than not having it. Um, also, I want to pick on you for, for category URL parameters. Just because there are a lot of links, and it's a, it's a simple thing on the site. It's always best to have a link that points exactly to the thing on your site. Now, if you've just redirected it from the wrong version to the right version, that solves a problem, but it's always better to have a link that goes exactly to what you want. So in this case, you know, fear itself, while it says it's on index.php category product fear itself, you'll notice the links on the side. Actually, you won't notice because the tiny little thing right there. If I hover over fear itself, the link goes to question mark cat equals 19. Which is fine because it's a parameter that then says, oh, add in all this other information. But the bots that crawl websites don't see that. So all of these links look like they're pointing at variations of site.pelgrainpress.com. So, so the bots aren't finding the direct links. They're finding a, a link that leads to a, a, to a link. Right. Yeah. And keep in mind, Google has a tendency to think that if something <coughs> isn't going to where they think it should go to, you may be being deceptive and that's bad. Yeah. One of the ways to work around this is if you have a website Always, if you can't put uh, like Google Analytics on your site because you don't have access to doing that, you should always at least try to get access to Google Search Console. It's uh, free. Yeah, all of these things are free. So Google Analytics is free. Google Search Console is free. Uh, Bing Analytics is free. Uh, a lot of site architecture allows you to just plug in whatever your tracking code is and they'll put it in whatever file it needs to go. So in, in WordPress, usually there's a section where it says, you know, Google Analytics tracking code. You drop that number in there, it adds it in for you. So you don't have to worry about putting in crazy code and stuff. Um, so it was Google Analytics and what was the other one? Uh, Google Search Console. So now in, in Search Console, they actually have a thing for letting them know how uh, URL parameters are handled. Because 
normally they'd look at it and be like, hmm, we don't know what this is. We're going to assume everything before this question mark is just the page that we're on. Um, but you can tell it, oh, no, no, you should index every version of this. So if you can't change it, like in this case, if you have 500 links that are all like that and it would be hours and hours of work, you might not want to sit there and go through all of them. But if you had access to Google Search Console, you could just let them know in one little section that the that the the parameter cat should all be crawled and indexed individually that they're not the same thing because otherwise it's not going to be short so those are two big things i would i would look into uh i haven't even actually run the crawl yet. it's still running the crawl of the site so i don't know anything else but as i was going through it it was like i hit that and i'm like i'm sorry i gotta jump in it, jump in there and yeah. point this out because, you know. Yeah, we're actually in the process of changing our website and upgrading it to a new version, so I want to kind of make sure that everything you're flagging up here is stuff that we have on the new one. Is the new one still going to be WordPress based? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, I love WordPress. WordPress is great. It is very user friendly. I have uh, the toughest time with it. Really? Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to do and it doesn't care what I want. Uh, that may, maybe because I have no clue what I'm doing. But well, I was going to say there, there may be something like in the in the back end of what you're using. That's I, I inherited things. it without just they just gave me the username and access and that was it. Okay. So it said, there may be things that were already set up wrong. I've yeah. never seen it before. So yeah, they, there may have been things that have been set up in the past that are just causing those conflicts for you. Normally, like if you start with a clean version of WordPress, a clean install of WordPress. It's actually pretty self-explanatory where everything is. It, it, they designed it to be fairly user-friendly, but also still giving you access to very granular stuff, as opposed to, um, oh, I'm trying to think, what is it, Square? Mm -hmm. where, oh, Square. Where it's user-friendly in that you can only add like six things and everything else is completely out of your control. So if you're throwing something up quick and you don't really want to worry about it, something like Square is easy because you can make a name for your page, you can write a description, put the content on, you're done. But if there are any sort of conflicts of, I need these sorts of tags, I need to tweak this, this, you know, this, this description is too long, Sometimes you can't do that with them, but with a WordPress, they try to make it easy, but they give you access to a lot of very technical stuff. It's also easy to accidentally shoot yourself in, a, in the foot with something like WordPress, or if you click the wrong so the, box. So might even shot before you even walk in. Right. Yeah, exactly. You, my, my, my favorite to point out, there is a checkbox in WordPress that says, don't let anything ever crawl this site. Mm -hmm. And I've run across people that have built websites, they've put tons of content on, they've spent all of this time on there, and then they're like, why can't I even find myself on there? Yeah. Um, I very recently helped out, my, my brother does curling. That, that, oh, that's so cool. That Canadian game with the stone on the ice and the brooms. And his curling club was like, people can't find us and we don't know why. It was a little checkbox on their yep. site. It was the first thing I looked at. They gave me access to it. And I was like, whoever was running your site never checked yep. this off. And they're like, we've had this up for years. And I was just like, click, now search for your site. So it's very easy to inherit problems if people have been working on and stuff in the past. The and yeah, if you don't have a lot of experience in this in the past, so, yeah, you might not know what to look for. 
So I would say too, like we run into the same, similar problems. Um, first of all, I want to say with Tumblr, there is a thing, there's a similar checkbox that can say, don't let people crawl your site. So if you're going to be using your Tumblr for anything that's going to, that you want people to find you um, off of Tumblr, um, you want to make sure that it is A, visible to people who aren't logged in, um, which I mean, for security purposes, sometimes people do want to turn it off so that you have to be logged in to see a particular Tumblr, um, especially if you're dealing with over 18 kind of content. Um, and there's also a second box that says, you know, don't let Google's robots index me. Um, so you want to check on that. But I, I was, you're, you're describing Square and WordPress, and it's very similar to a lot of the very basic uh, e-commerce sites, like Etsy is what I would consider a, a basic, like almost like a starter yeah. e-commerce site, um, and something like Shopify. Because Etsy holds your hand or determines a lot of things on everything, um, but it also limits you. It's like almost like a you know training wheels kind of way to, to sell things. Because what, what we ran into is we could see what search terms were leading people to our site on Etsy, but we couldn't see what site they were coming from. We couldn't see, like, sure, it's coming from Tumblr, but where on Tumblr? It's coming from Twitter, but where on Twitter? What did they look at? You know, when how many pages do they look like? What, what did they, you know? Data is your friend. How long were they there? Where are they from? You know, so we needed all that stuff to be able to, ref we reached a point where we needed the data to be able to refine what we were doing. And so we had to move away from Etsy holding our hand and have, have Shopify, which is not holding your hand on anything. And you are a grown up who is responsible for every tiny little thing, but you also get a lot more information. So that tends to be kind of the, the balance is, do you want something that's gonna be simple and is, but it's gonna limit you? Or do you wanna have total responsibility and a lot of more choices? By the way, going, going back to your, um, the fact that your problems with WordPress, mm -hmm. there is a really good WordPress Facebook group that just, I forget, I actually can probably give you the exact name in a minute. Um, but they are very good at answering questions. So long as you're not like, hey, try and solve everything for me. If you say, hey, I'm having a specific problem with this, and you describe it well, and of course you're also not posting at like three o'clock in the morning on a holiday or something, you will get responses. And people will yeah, say, see, try I X, Y, Z. I, I muddle through it, but I don't know enough to describe the problem enough that if you can screenshot it, they can probably help. Yeah. yeah. Screenshots like, are like your friend. Like when I'm adding something to say like on our upcoming events page, I can get a picture there, but like I can't control like the fonts so much and I'm limited to like one column and that's it. That's screenshot it, it and people can help you. I, um, I guarantee you. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you screenshots are your friend when you're trying to debug stuff with groups like that for, okay. for real. So you, you had a... I had a thing that actually... I was wondering if you had any recommendations for sure. sites for the actual sell selling of the whatever merchandise you have. For, for is Shopify a good a good example? Shopify is good. Shopify is my favorite. We did. Um, or do you need one? Or if you're doing a small business and you're trying to rep it on Tumblr or whatever, can you just do it through PayPal and a prayer? So it really depends on how you. I mean, because you can use PayPal to to be your payment processor. Yeah. Um, it really depends on how automated you want for things to be. I mean, because I I will wake up. Shopify handles all the payment processing for me. It helps me with my tracking. Shopify also um, will get you discounted postage for mailing things out as opposed to trying to go through USPS. Mailing out a two ounce package through Shopify cost me like $2.66, not counting the 
you know, cost of the actual envelope and everything. Um, whereas mailing that same thing through the postal service, um, if I went to go print out a trackable label, would cost me seven dollars. So, yeah, it's I mean because and now we pay um, we pay eighty dollars a month for our Shopify right now because that's the level that we're at. There's we, a we paid a one year. We paid, a, we paid a full year in advance, but the the it's the eight we paid the for the medium level. There's a, a thirty dollar a month level and you pay for a year if you're confident in that there's an $80 middle and then there's an enterprise level and we're kind of right in the middle right now is where we are but that'll get you your you know discounts it gets you good reporting you know stuff like that so but it really depends on where you are yeah you like know PayPal might be the baby steps it might be the baby steps or Etsy might even be a baby like I don't like that's Etsy because of where I am okay right. like I outgrew Etsy I would not be where I am without having had Etsy to kind of have that as my first step. So I, I don't wish to say Etsy is never sol a solution for anyone, especially if you're, if, are you selling something like physical? It, it would be, or it would be like RPGs and stuff like that in this okay. scenario, um, which is why I, I mean, you might, Etsy might not be a good example. No, no, I would look at drive through RPG. Okay. I mean, that's where I would go, would be sure. drive through RPG. If what you're trying to sell is like PDFs for your RPG, drive through RPG. I was thinking, uh, so if you had like, for instance, this is hypothetical, but like if you had a Kickstarter mm -hmm. um, for a game that included physical copies, um, that, okay. is, does uh, how would you go about setting those out? Would it be like a Kickstarter specific process where they give you all the information? Yeah, so if you do a Kickstarter, um, you'll get all the information at the end. Now we used Backerkit to back up uh, as, as far as, now it, and it's really gonna depend on how successful your Kickstarter is, whether paying for backer kit is going to make sense for you. Right. Paying for backer kit made sense for us because it allowed us to, uh, the Kickstarter ended and backer kit took over. Okay? okay. And so when backer kit took over, um, Steve actually did a lot of the work with setting up the backer kit. So if you want to chime in at any point, feel free. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it, it grabbed all, we gave it permission, it grabbed all of our information from the, the Kickstarter. We set up all of the things and all the extras that people could add on to their Kickstarter and it allowed us to upsell people that had bought things through the Kickstarter. So for example, our, our Kickstarter was these enamel pins. Well, we added t-shirt versions of all of these enamel pins and we sold like 30 t-shirts, you know, but it was an add-on, you know, and we added like Stickers. a stickers we added about uh, we added about eighteen hundred dollars to our kickstarter backer? backer kit is a tool to help you fulfill kickstarters um okay. it is you can fulfill kickstarters through the only the kickstarter tools and for smaller kickstarters uh kickstarter itself may be good if you get up over like a hundred to 150 backers backer kit will help you streamline that process it will help you it again you get the discounts on postage for mailing things out because it'll give you the same kind of like I mean, how much does that cost uh they take a percentage well but there's also tier because uh, something i learned earlier today yeah. in the marketing panel so there's tiers to backer kit yep and so depending upon what tier you pick because there is like a fee with that and then after yep. that is the percentage right but depending upon what tier that you pick there's a tier where the if you run if you sign up with them before the Kickstarter is over and you're running Facebook ads, they will actually set up the ads for you yep. and they will use machine learning to mm -hmm. do instant A-B testing of the ads. Yep, which we did. Okay, so what that means is A-B <laughs> testing. I feel like I just walked into an RPG. <laughs> Sorry, A-B testing <coughs> is you have 
add that is blue, you have add that is green, this has a, has, is phrased this way, this is phrased that way. You run the same ad to two slightly different audiences and see how it tests. Mm -hmm. uh, or you okay. run to the same audience and you see how it tests. Oh, they like this one, this one's getting a response. No mm -hmm. one's clicking on this one. That's A-B testing. Okay. They'll also do things like you can choose, like, well, we're going to pay this much up front, and we're going to pay this much of a percentage of what we got in our Kickstarter, and they'll either take 5% of your add-ons, or they'll take no percent of your add-ons. So you have to kind of go, okay, how many, add, like, what do we, th and that's kind of a judgment call on your side, you say, okay, do we want to give them 5% of our add-ons, or do we want to say we want to keep all of our add-on cash for ourselves? I was fairly confident that we were gonna do well in our add-ons and I would I would rather give them X percentage up front, I think it's like two and a half percentage of the whole thing up front and give them nothing of our add-ons. And so that was the way we went. We paid a little bit more up front, but then they got none of our add-ons. Can you define add-ons? Uh, it's a, Steve, you wanna chime so in? Like perfect example, you do RPG development, right? Yeah. So if you are a Kickstarter to create a game or a game module, whatever, an add-on would be like, okay, well, you know, you can also get this set of custom dice in the colors of our game, right? right. Or this custom character pack. And would that be like if you do fifty or more dollars, you get this? Or right. would it be like a, or it, well, it's an add-on for X dollars. Stuff. Yeah. So I see. I so see. it's an so it's an upsell. From you, and now they're in your storefront. They can do extra stuff. Okay. I didn't know that Kickstarter had that. Well, backer kit. Only backer kit. Only backer kit. Backer kit allows you to create a storefront. And that will also let you sometimes, like, say, maybe when I back the Kickstarter and looking at when the date for that Kickstarter ended, I, you know, money was tight that month or that date. I could only afford this thing, but they have some stuff that are extras that then. So instead of going the tier that automatically had that in, I add those extras one layer on, depending right. on how the Kickstarter is set up. Okay. Right, so like for example, we had- Because layer on, I got more cash to spend it. We had people who um, didn't have money when the Kickstarter was running, and they were able to come in and purchase a pin separately, or they only had enough to back us for one pin during the Kickstarter, mm -hmm. but they, they came back in later and they bought a second so. pin, or they did the donation, because we had a, an option where you could donate um, one of these pins to a local uh, LGBT youth Thing. So they would add that on, and or you just they have would have a link to the backer kit on the Kickstarter. Yes, and then you and you advertise the backer kit once it's over. It, it also allows you to recapture failed pledges. Yes. Yep. So if oh. if you know somebody pledged X dollars and their card was declined, it all flows back to the backer kit, and then you can reach into that person individually and say, Hey, you know, sell your payment method failed. Is that not no. something that Kickstarter does? Not the same way, and well, not as easily. It's much more awkward. Yeah. There's, it's a, there with Backerkit, it's a boop, put, like it'll literally, it'll try all of everybody's payments, it'll get everything together, and then like I think it's like five business days later, you can hit an email, and it'll send out to everybody who had a failed pledge. Oh, it, wow. There's, there's a limited, there's a window. It makes you wait. You can't, obviously, you don't want to be hitting people with emails. <coughs> so like, say someone's credit card expires, and they exactly. get the new one in the mail. But they had the old one when they made the pledge. Exactly. And, exactly. When it, and then they can go in and fix it. Or their credit card was stolen let you in the meantime for when they pledged. And they forgot that they pledged this thing. And or to update the right. new credit card. Or their so bank account was screwed up. Or, you yeah. know, they're they're 21 and they, they ran out of money. You know, or people people have find all kinds of reasons why pledges fail. Yeah, 3% of our, our pledges were failed pledges. And we, we captured and that's all standard. We were recaptured all but two of our failed pledges yeah. through backer kit. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, don't be pretty much every Kickstarter has some failed pledges. Yep, it's the it trick is recapturing them. Yep. Um, by the way, some real fast, uh, the, the name of that Facebook group is simply WordPress, but okay. but it has uh, twenty three thousand uh, members. So you post a question there, you're probably going to get an answer. 
unless it's like, you know, hey, yeah. fix my site for me and I'm not going to tell you anything. Right. You know, if you send a screenshot and say, I can't figure this out, or, yeah. or looking for advice. I was trying to figure out, you know, something, uh, there was a service I was looking at for something, um, DV, that's a sort of, uh, it's kind of WordPress, but not exactly. And found out from people there that it's like, oh no, this is so bloated. If you use this theme, because technically counts as a theme, you know, and then you try and switch to something else, you're going to have a nightmare trying to switch it. So it's user friendly, but it's a pain in the ass. Um, yeah. I wanted to jump back into SEO. Oh. Is slightly offensive games still Hello. in the room? Hi. <laughs> I'm prepared for you to rip me apart. Go ahead. I wanted to not pick on Pelgrane Press. But there's so much more to come. There's so, there's, so, there's so much more. I really yeah. hope you're getting a good person to redo your yeah. URL structure yeah. and stuff yeah. like that yeah. because it could be so beautiful and it's not right it. now. Um, so, yes. What I wanted to point out is uh, duplicate content. Now, it's... Hmm. Okay, so it's, it's one thing to, uh, to say duplicate content and think like, oh, you're just posting the same thing everywhere and everywhere. It's another when you're doing everything more or less right, but the way a, a site is built posts your same stuff too often. Um, so in this case, it's like right here, I'm on previous page six, and we have less than a month to launch. And in there is the entire post that if I were to click into less than a month launch, same exact content is there. So this, all of this information on the page itself is in the previous, um, the uh, site archives, the blog archives. Okay. So one, that, that leads to this page being a really long scroll, but also you could inadvertently be hurting your own content because Google may see like, oh, this page says all of this info, but this page says that same information too. But this page has more content on it, so maybe this one shouldn't be indexed now. In this case, you might want them to go to the individual post. You would hope that they're reading your posts, but Google might be devaluing the post. <laughs> I'm not making any assumptions. I have not seen your analytics data. But also, if they're not reading the post, that might be why, because Google might be no, not I, indexing. Honestly, I actually don't know how to check. <laughs> um, and then on, on top of that, other than the fact that we have the slightly offensive blog previous whatever number, yes. the same things are also showing up. This is a really long scroll. The same things are also showing up in archive. So this one, the less than a month is, was that, I can't number, September 2016? So if I go to the September 2016 archive, yes. you will see the same exact post is in here, the less than a month to launch, completely different URL. Here we're on slightly offensive blog archives 09-2016. So the same exact content is appearing in at least three pages on your site and Google will choose which one it thinks is right. So you don't have power over that anymore. Okay. I have no clue how that happened. <laughs> well, it's like this for every post. All of them. Yeah, I, I yeah. figured as much. But the question is... Are you uh, using WordPress? I'm using Weebly. I don't know Weebly. That was but, but that part of the problem. It. I saw <laughs> it down here, the proudly powered by Weebly. I don't know Weebly, but this is something to look into. I don't, I don't know what the back end of Weebly looks like. I'm not sure 
if uh, it has an option for just posting like the first paragraph with the read more button or anything like that. Um, I'm not sure what level of being able to tell it not to index an archive page is. Uh, these are things available in a lot of site architecture, but I personally don't know Weebly. Definitely something you need to, to look into. Um, Okay. Because if if it's already there and it's just you got to poke around in the back end a little bit to find the right button to click, uh, it it could save a world of trouble. Because Google's probably going to look at the blog page itself, the slightly offensive blog itself, as opposed to archive and the other archive and the previous page. Um, now, since I also don't know Weebly. One, one thing to also, another thing to look into is um, where a lot of people go wrong, there is this tag called rel previous and rel next. It's related, it means rel just means related. So you have rel equals quotes next and then you put in the, the URL after that. And this exists, so if you have a whole bunch of pages in a series, the bots will understand that this is a series. So it might seem obvious at first to a human being looking at this that your page previous six comes after previous five, okay. but Google doesn't know that. Oh. They wouldn't know that unless you tell them, and there's just this little tag there that lets you do that. And I looked into the, the page source, and it, it's not there currently, but... If you were to be able to do that, then you're, then you would let Google know this is a series of pages. These are not the same page. These are not completely different pages. This is a series of information that should be related as such. So you give that extra information to them there. Um, okay, I'm just trying to. So I believe because what I'm paying, I, I have to figure out exactly what I can get from contacting them, but I should. If I'm going to contact Weebly, I should contact them about what exactly there. Besides that, there's duplicate pages. You, you said R... Um, the REL equals next and REL equals PREV. If yeah, Weebly is so. anything like WordPress, they're probably the different themes for how the page work and looks and feels. Mm -hmm. And changing the theme may also fix these issues. Yeah, change, changing the theme might give you more functionality to do it on your end, uh, or it may allow you to then add plugins. So yeah, in the case of a WordPress, you know, a stock WordPress might not give you that option, but a WordPress theme might add that in. So that way you could put those tags in more easily. Weebly, I don't know, I'm not sure. Um, but these are definitely things that you want to ask about. Um, I'm not sure if you have access to a back end already because there might be I an option there. I believe I do. <laughs> um, and you said it's an option to not um, uh, index the page or not? <clears throat> so very specifically the archives. Yeah. So in this case because you have an archive but all that same stuff can be found if people click the older articles button and go back and there's also the the page that has the information. An archive, usually, people would put, there's a, uh, it's called a meta robots tag, because the things that crawl your site are called robots. So this tag is used to either tell, um, 
tell you know Google and Bing either don't put this in the in the index or in the search <coughs> results, or tells them don't follow this link at all, or you leave it blank and they look at it and they index it and they follow it. So for the archives specifically, um, archives usually get no indexed. Um, so there's a it's meta robots equals no index would tell the, the search engines, okay, we already have this information elsewhere. This archive is just for that archival purposes. So don't okay. put it in an index. Uh, and that would save part of the, the problem right there. That one little tag on anything inside archives would would cut out a third of that problem already that's, that's being created with the duplicate content. Um, one of the things that duplicate content does is the title tags, the meta descriptions for all of those posts are also popping up in all of these other pages, in these previous pages. So you're sort of diluting the main page that you want people to go to by it also appearing on the blog roll. You want people to go to the individual pages and get that info and click around as opposed to landing on archive and having to scroll halfway through the page to find 24 hours to design. You want them to find 24 hours to design in the search results or whatever page it might be. Okay. Uh, so that that's probably the the big takeaway for anything in your site. That just just all of that duplicate content you want them to look into for you because that'll okay. that'll help out a lot. By the way, since we're talking about blogs, the reason why every website and its brother has a blog is because Google likes fresh content. Mm -hmm. If you are not updating your website at least once a month with something that is new content. <coughs> then Google thinks that, you know, you're not really doing much of anything. There's only one person who can get away with not updating their blog once a month, and that man works for Google. That is true. So, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a guy, he's, um, his name's Avin, Avinash Kushik. He updates his blog like once every seven months, but he updates it with massive information, and Google keeps his stuff ranking high. It, He's got a little bit of a, of, of, you know. An in? He's got a little bit of an in, not because the people at Google are pushing him up, but because he's worked on the algorithms that built Google years ago. So he knows the right things to do already, even though he's not still necessarily working in those. But he can get away with it. Everyone else should probably be updating, you know, just even if it's a little blurb, you got a paragraph here, you got something. You know, you, you sold something uh, recent, you got a new you product, you've been to a convention and want to talk about, who knows, a I panel that you happen to have been sitting in on. So <laughs> I, I did that fairly regularly until fairly recently. My wife got very sick. I wasn't sure if I was even going to continue. Yeah. So I stopped for a bit, and I'm finally coming back. Mm -hmm. So the, the one thing I want to say, piggybacking off on that, is is give some, get some, and, and what goes around comes around. Can you pull up the... Um, the one with the two pins on it. It's got the two circular pins. And yeah, not that one. Should be. Yep. So these aren't ours. Okay. Um, and one of the things that's that's very big in just about any community is is supporting other um, mm -hmm. folks. So we make a point uh, on our Instagram, on our Tumblr, on our everything else. When we back a Kickstarter, when we buy another thing, when we do whatever. Um, that goes up on our, our site and we say oh wow you know we're so proud to support other indie artists yep. 
Um, and this is the way that, you know, of course you create goodwill and also like, look at that, that's gorgeous. People loved it, you know. It was reblogged over a hundred times. People wanted to know where we had gotten it. People wanted to know if we were gonna do, uh, you know, more pride stuff. So, but it's, it's a goodwill thing and it's a traffic driver thing. And, you know, you want people to reblog your stuff when you're working on a project, you know, and you want to create good relationships. So, you know, take a nice picture of, you know, something when you're talking about like, oh, a panel I was at, or a, a, this is a game I just got and I'm super excited to play it, you know, and this, you can find this somewhere else. Um, the, the, the drive to only market your own stuff is very understandable. Um, but the end, especially in social media marketing, it's really like nobody's going to reblog your stuff if you're not reblogging other people's stuff. Nobody's going to pay attention to your things if all you're about is you. That's and one of those I learned from yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And as I said before, you need to feed the beast. That's And the beast can be Google or the beast can be social media or both. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I do quite frequently on my private social media accounts is if a friend has a Kickstarter, and assuming I find about a timely fashion and my life isn't imploding that I have time to do it, mm -hmm. I will, <laughs> I know, I will schedule though lots of tweets about it yep. because yeah, because I first of all, yep. I want to promote people that I like. I want to promote products that I believe in. Yep. But then it's also less stuff of other things I gotta find content for. This is true in search engine optimization <laughs> yeah. as well. Whether whether it's social media and Facebook and Tumblr and Instagram, or it's your own personal website, yeah, give, giving someone a link back to their site is huge for Google specifically. Uh, it, it passes link authority or yep. link equity. So pointing that link to someone else's site because you saw something awesome there helps their site and also helps build the relevancy between what their site is and what yours is, yep. helps Google figure out what you are. So if you're specifically in, you know, RPGs and you're sharing, you know, you write a blog post and you point a link to a company that's making an RPG that you've just written about, it helps reinforce what you should be showing up for. Mm -hmm. Google realizes that there are you know, various industry verticals in search results. So the interlinking between all of those sites help them understand what you are and what you should rank for as well. And not, oh, okay, we'll I was gonna say the other thing is too is that time of day is as important as anything else. Oh, yeah. And um, we kind of find there's a sweet spot for uh, Facebook, there's two. It's the like right before lunchtime and right on people's commute home. Mm -hmm. And then Tumblr's sweet spot is uh, like 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern. So I have a tendency for like Instagram posts that are going to shoot all over the place to schedule those for right around 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because that hits the sweet spot for Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter. Like, and, you, and I also highly recommend scheduling stuff, especially if you're going to say be at a convention. Mm -hmm. Like, there's going to be things that are going to be popping up on their, the Nerdy Keppy Facebook while we're not... My at, Twitter accounts have been busy all day. Yeah, exactly. I set up. I set up, you know, stuff Wait, about... you can do that? Yeah. Oh, heckin' yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was for Facebook, for pages specifically, for business pages, you can schedule posts. And so I have posts scheduled to go off every single day this weekend. Um, somewhere between either yeah. 11 a.m. and noon and 4 and 6 p.m. and it's just gonna but it's in none of it is marketing it's all content stuff where it's either like a gritty meme because we're from Philly or it's you know just it's something that there's activity so we're showing up on people's pages our most huh. viral stuff has had nothing to do with our business but it's what gets uh, we had one that was a meme about 
DS9 and Jadzia Dax and like Curzon changing pronouns right away and like look how easy it is. 1.5 million people saw that post. And then we had one that was two and a half million that was talking about the Kavanaugh hearings. And it just, so you never know what's going to take off. Content marketing is crazy. Oh, yeah, payoffs. <clears throat> uh, one, one warning if you do that is uh, if you're going to set fire and forget to go away to a convention, keep your phone on you and keep looking for events. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. If, you know, if, say, some nutcase walks into a synagogue and kills 11 people while you're at a, a show in Philadelphia, you need to take down your, your funny ha-ha joke yep. post. Yep, and yep, because you will get you will get torn to pieces. pieces. Well, for that matter, I had... I don't even want to necessarily pay attention, you know, talk about the incident. There was an incident at Gen Con this year. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll leave it at that. Right. But completely unrelated business that was also at Gen Con, had nothing to do with the incident at Gen Con, was simply posting to promote the quiet room at Gen Con because they knew people who ran the quiet room at Gen Con, so they wanted to give you a little social media love. People who were trying to swarm trolls and everything else over this incident that's completely unrelated to the Gen Con quiet room or this business were swarming any mention of Gen Con. Yep. And all of a sudden, literally at 5.05, we're leaving work and my phone's blowing up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh crap. And I'm sitting there banning and blocking, banning and blocking, banning and blocking. On oh Twitter yeah. Because they were trying to start something on something that was completely unrelated. I so also, even when you're scheduling, you got to pay attention. I would also note that if something starts to go viral, you may need to pull in hands to yes. keep you, like, because you remember our last thing that mm -hmm. went viral. It was two and a half million people before it finally slowed down. Two and a half million sets of eyeballs. And the two of us were basic. We were, I didn't see you for day. I didn't see C for days because mm -hmm. we were sleeping in shifts. And I'm not even kidding. Right. Um, because there was so much going on. And because it was about the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, some of the stuff that showed up was really vile and was absolutely vile. And so one of us had to be watching at all times to ban and to block. And the one thing I will say, especially on Facebook, is um, don't argue and don't hide block, because, especially for a business page. Because if you hide someone's comments, if you don't block them, they can still rate your business. Yeah. And we had some issues trying to get Facebook to take down non-legitimate reviews of our business because they won't. Like, it's it's a fight to get Facebook. These are people who have never done any business with us. We posted something that they politically didn't like, and they started giving us one-star reviews because we didn't block them fast enough. And uh, you have to be very careful because you can get swarmed. Yeah. And don't be shy about calling in backup, you know? Pay your backup, but don't be shy about calling in back backup, you know, and saying like, I, I gotta get some sleep. Because it literally, I mean, if it weren't for the two of us, I don't think either one of us would have gotten any sleep during the four days. And it was four days and two and a half million eyeballs. It was absolute chaos. So, you know. Virality is a mixed blessing. But it is a mixed blessing. Yeah. I mean, we, we got a lot more people following us. We got a lot more, you know, we can trace sales to people who saw us through that stuff. But you got to be not shy. Yeah. Um, just before we go there, I just want to kind of circle back to one thing that was said before. What you two were both saying about with uh, sharing things and being a community uh, partner. And then Mike was saying about, you know, you get the link equity because um, if you're doing the backlinks and everything else. Same happens with Facebook. Mm -hmm. So, if Pelgrane Press um, does a post for whatever, something for 13th age, um, 
So you create that post, okay? If I then say from a page page now that I control, share that and say, hey, Pelgrim Press is doing this new thing for 13th Age, go check it out because I really like it, I did the play test, I really like this thing. When I go to look at my analytics on Facebook, it's not going to show me that much traffic. Even if, say, I have 100 clicks on this thing, it's not gonna show that much reach. Why? Because it's passing most of it back to them. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna grow the organic reach of that post. Yep. So it's the same sort of thing, regardless of what platform we're talking about, Tumblr, Google, social media. You yeah. know, when you're sharing other people's stuff, you are helping them. Yep. So also think twice sometimes about sharing stuff you don't like. Because yeah. you're sometimes actually helping to spread it. People don't think about and that. And it's, it's, if I remember correctly, it's likes, comments, and then shares in yeah. terms of, you know, like... Well, like in everything terms else, of Facebook what keeps tweaking the algorithm, but yes. But it's the, roughly speaking, you know, if you like a post or react to it in any way, um, that increases its visibility. Commenting increases its visibility even further. And a share is the most, you know, so if you're trying to help out a, a, a friend, you know, or, or create that, that communal back and forth... Mm -hmm you know, where you, you boast, boost someone's project and then they'll boost yours, then, you know, that's that's the level of support. And on Tumblr, it's, you know, likes, replies, likes, replies, and then reblogs. And the logic behind those, the for why those things tier that way, doesn't take much effort to, put, to do a like. You just click a button and you're done. If you're commenting, you're putting some thought, oops, sorry, putting some thought into it. So, they, they weight that a little bit better. If you're sharing it, it's like, oh, they're actually putting some effort into putting this thing out there. Mm -hmm. So again, that's why it weighs more. There's, was somebody? Yeah, there was a yes. I, I actually think that he oh, had. Okay. Um, going back to the blog thing real quick, uh, what are your thoughts on having a blog on your website versus like a blogging platform, like Medium? Or why give away your traffic? What's that? Why give away your traffic? There are exceptions, like sometimes there are people who do quite well where they have a regular blog and then maybe a specific thing they'll do like on Medium with mentions of their, and hopefully links back to their main to try and get a little bit different attention, but I would say do it strategically as opposed to just, you know, giving away your traffic. Hilariously, we do very, very well on Tumblr, and when we had blogs elsewhere, we had absolutely. But, but we're—I know we're a special you, case. Yeah, you—you you have built up a business on Tumblr, so that's yeah. We, we have a very special—we have a special case. The one thing I will say too, um, speaking about blog posts and stuff, is I think um, for uh, everybody else, but especially for um, for us, uh, transparency has been super, super important. Um, it's actually the other—I think it's the very first one that you open one more over. So this is a lot of text. I'm not going to say, but like this was a couple of days ago, I guess about a week ago, we had some issues with um, our distributor for our leggings and our sports bras. We ended up having to discontinue and we had some issues and we're going to have some issues through Q4, which are going to stink. Okay. So this it, identical post went up on our Facebook and it went up on our Tumblr. And it got some, uh, you know, about similar, it's not our most viral post. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. Um, but that level of transparency is almost demanded um, by a Tumblr audience. So if you're having production issues, you need to be very honest about what's happening. You know, and I basically said, look, you know, here's what happened. Um, Ink Zone was flooded because of a water main break in Philly and they never recovered. And they're the folks that make our leggings and they're making our sports bras. So unfortunately, we're switching to another producer. We're gonna go from having up to 4X 
to up to 2x during Christmas. We're going to have up to 4x again come Q1 2019, and the, the sports bras are going away for the unforeseeable for the, for the foreseeable future, um, and that's what's going to happen. And uh, everyone who has Inkstone orders in, we're going to get those out to you. Please bear with us. Some of our products are going to go away as we're transitioning over to this new supplier, and and our you know our folks. Um, really, they, they respond very well to that. Um, again, because these kids know, I said these kids, but a lot of them are, you know, 18 to 25. They know when they're being sold to, and they know they're when they're being lied to, and a lot of them have worked in retail or customer service, so they can smell customer service BS a mile away. So you have to be unflinchingly honest with them. And if you are unflinchingly honest with them, they will love you for it. And I would argue that's not just for Tumblr. I don't no. care what you're in. Yeah. Authenticity, all that. Authenticity and transparency. Mm -hmm. Don't try hide it. Don't try obfuscate because people can smell BS mm -hmm. nowadays, and people are much smarter about it. So if there's an issue, yep. you know, cop to it. You know, if you, yes, it sucks if your Kickstarter is being fulfilled and then something happens and the shipment is damaged yep. en route to you. Yep, it sucks. It ha talk to Mark Richardson. Yep, the shipping problems with yep. his first Kickstarter. Yep. But he was transparent with his backers mm -hmm. and shipped out what he could and then got replacements and shipped out what he could and handled everything. Yep. You we know? had an issue with our Kickstarter where they, they sent us all of our pin samples. We have ones that are six color and ones that are eight color. And they sent everything, including the six color samples, on eight color molds, which looked like garbage because it was like one of the colors was broken up into three and it just, just it didn't look good. So I communicated that out to our backers. I said, look, we're going to take a little extra time because we want to make sure that this is perfectly right. Like these, this sample looks fantastic because it's an eight color. This other one, the other ones that we got did not look good. So you have to be really just you have to stare down the barrel of the gun, you know, and and just be completely honest and take it on the chin, you know, if something gets screwed up. But in the long run, though, you will get more business. Because oh, for that sure. is what all the trends and the studies say, is that right. the companies that are honest and authentic about things, you will pick up business from other people who weren't even involved in that order because people will say, hey, this sucked, but you know what they did to make it right? I like that company. And that too, if you get called out on something that you say is wrong, you accidentally say something that is transphobic, you know, like you use a phrase that is ableist, don't try to hide from it. Don't try to equivocate. Say we screwed up and we're gonna do better in the future. Thank you very much for saying this to us, you know, and we'll try to do better in the future. I didn't know, but now I do. Yep. And so we're gonna make a change. And on the other hand, if you have people asking unreasonable things from you, which has happened to us in the past, say, look, this is an unreasonable thing that you're asking and we can't do it. You know, I understand why you feel that way, but this is an unreasonable thing that you're asking. We wanted, we had people where, you know, like Etsy charges you 20 cents for every listing. So before we switched over to Shopify, we can't list every item in 18 different pride flags because that costs us $1.60 for every single item we have and we have over a thousand items. So we can't do that, especially for flags that don't sell very well. And so we had, we had you know, kids that don't buy anything from us jumping down our throats about our quote unquote lack of representation. Well, it's not, I'm like, look, if you want something and you would like to purchase it from me, let me know and I'll have it posted for you in like 20 minutes, you know, like I'm quick on that. But you also have to be honest about like, that's an unreasonable ask, you know? And if you're very clear that that's an unreasonable ask, then they'll be, the people, you know, you'll, you're gonna, <coughs> stuff you're gonna have to just let bounce off of your thick skin. 
but for the most part, that's going to get you. That'll that is social currency in the end. Succinctly, I mean, uh, just get ahead of it on the, on the narrative, right? So if there's a problem in your supply chain, there's a problem that's going to affect customer service. Yep. Put the statement out there and control the narratives because whatever the truth is, it's not going to be as bad as whatever some 20-year-old in Cincinnati is typing in his basement. Right. You can make a marketing problem by ignoring things yes. or lying about it. Okay. Um, two things. Um, one, what do you use to set up uh, posts in advance for Twitter? For Twitter, um, there's a lot of different services out there. Um, I do not recommend Hootsuite personally. I use TweetDeck. Yeah, Tweet TweetDeck is free, um, and TweetDeck is now owned by Twitter. Yeah, it's um, it's very easy for me to use. Yeah, and lets you add one picture per scheduled post. Yeah. I, I do not, like I said, recommend Hootsuite. Hootsuite sucks you in with the, how they set up their, their service, um, but they're not very user-friendly, and I've asked them pre-sale questions to actually pay for the service, and they were obnoxious, so no, do not use them. I use Buffer. Buffer is great. Buffer has a free plan. It's very limited. You can only have 10 things scheduled at a time, but you can schedule for uh, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, they technically can schedule for G Plus for a while it's still around. Mm. Uh, Facebook pages, though I don't like it for Facebook pages, I'd rather schedule straight in Facebook itself. Um, Pinterest, and um, there's a weird thing with Instagram, it's used technically because of Instagram's coding API. You have to set it up and then it sends you a reminder and you have to press it live at the time. It's an Instagram issue, it's not them. Later um, will allow you to get around that. Oh, okay. Because later is now integrated with uh, Instagram. Okay. Um, but so Buffer I like is they have free options, and then step up from free, they have uh, something used to be called the Awesome Plan, I forget what they're calling it now, where it's 15 bucks a month, um, which gives you a lot more that you can do with it. And 15 bucks a month is kind of affordable. Um, then uh, from there, it goes uh, much more expensive. The other one that I did love and now Twitter is smacking them for some reason, and I don't know why. Um, Social Jukebox. Social Jukebox is great for give evergreen content. So, you know, if you've got like a lot of old blog posts and things like that that are, you know, are not tied to a specific time, I can set that into a jukebox, set up a schedule. Oh, it's because of the repetitiveness. Um, well, well but the thing is, though, they made them change it so that nothing would repeat less than three days. That was fine. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, Twitter's coming after them. You can't do any app mentions. I was using this to schedule all of my uh, my Kickstarter promotions. All the awesome eights and all of the, yeah. Well, the, but the, but but no, all but, the, yeah. like, where you, where about promoting you. Patreon and, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, so, huh. um, so they can't do any app mentions, and you're limited to two hashtags now. Huh. However... The other so, um, uh, scheduling tools are not limited, so I don't know why they're smacking them. I don't know. And not the others. Sprout's <laughs> also an option. It Sprout does very nice reports. Um, I'm not crazy about the scheduler, and I'm not sure how far their cheap options are, but like I said, Buffer has a free one, and then a cheap one that's very good. TweetDeck, uh, I'm sorry, Social uh, Jukebox, rather, um, had a cheap option, but right now, I gotta see how this thing shakes out. Okay. I, I had wanted to jump on one last site that I was sure. able to yeah. actually run the audit on. Unfortunately, some of the others were just huge and it's taking forever. But this this one uh, is that you? Yeah, I'm on the top of the line. <coughs> no, this this is a this is a good example of why user experience is important in your site, and um, and there's there's a bit of uh, sales funnel confusion here. 
Um, so it, having a top navigation is wonderful. You should always have a, a very succinct form of navigation that people looking at it know exactly what they're doing. There's a possibility that you are going too far, though, because in the case here, there's really only the two pages on the... Well, there's, there's more than that. By the way, but more, uh, most of the links wind mention, up going back to themselves. Can you mention the URL for people who listen to the podcast later on? Oh, yeah. This, this one is uh, leatherstockingretreats.com. Uh, so in this case, it's like lodging goes to the about page and about goes to the about page. And history, which is not pulling up, goes to the about page. So you don't need to have multiple links pointing to the same exact page on the site. This could all just be an about, or you could have a separate history page and a separate lodging page. Well, the um, anchors on the page, because that's where we thought the flow would go. But the oddity with that is this, this site sends itself in and out and back to itself repeatedly. Yes. So like here, where you have a calendar event, when you're scrolling through this, it looks like there are three completely different links because these are all separate links, but they go to the same page, which then asks you which weekend you'd like to register for, which then sends you to the anchor link of that day and month, but the register button is for the register down yeah. here where you still have to put in what the date of the event is. That's right. Which for a user experience standpoint, the less clicks, the better. If you could send someone to a page for that July event, and on the July event you have a contact form that says register for July here, you're more likely to get someone to register than if they're clicking in to an event, then they're back on the page they were just on, and now they gotta go to the bottom of the page to then put in the info, all of those extra steps. So it, it's important to, to consider how you are linking within your own site and user experience. If you have um, Google Analytics on a site, you can see how people are flowing through the site. You can see what the where people are exiting the site or where they're bouncing on the site. So that way you have an idea of where, where the disconnect might be. If you're not seeing enough people registering for something or you know, you're seeing a lot of people come to the site but don't do anything, it could just be the the flow of users because otherwise yeah this this is a, a very succinct site there's nothing wrong with it the the color option there's really when i ran the 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 audit there is like there are no issues on the site it, it's fine um i mean you could improve like the the title tags and things like that a little bit but there's no huge glaring errors other than you, you seem to have like a confusion of where you want to send people so yeah, user experience is super important. You could be the greatest website in the world with the product that everyone wants, but if you're not presenting it to them, giving it to them in an easy to find way, people are gonna leave and go somewhere else. Uh, so that's really the only thing that I would wanna point out in, in this one. Real quick before we finish up, can you flip over just, I wanna show the, um, what's the one with all the pictures on it. This is the best format that I have found in terms of uh, dealing with um, marketing on uh, Tumblr in terms of you know just everything. Um, but I wanna quickly point out a couple of things is that this is for a new collection that we launched. These are our Galaxy Pride items, okay? And so I have one of each item 
as many as I can fit in because I think Tumblr tops you out at so many different uh, images. But I also have all of the different pride flags, so you have a good mix of what the different pride flags are. But then if you go down to the bottom, you have your copy, you have links to every single one of those images in the order that you see them. Um, and it because those links describe what they are, um, you, I don't have alt image type because you can't do captions very well on Tumblr, um, which is an accessibility issue. Um, but if I say, you know, if I describe what it is and then the link, it's, the link text itself says transgender pride double duffel bag and then it'll pop you right over there, you know, so people know exactly where they can get it. There's no, you know, clarity, no confusion. And then down at the very bottom, it also has our value statement of the, on the actual post itself has our, our value statement, which is that, you know, we're a queer owned company. You're not buying from a, a Target or an Amazon. You're buying from, you know, somebody within your community. Um, and, you know, your purchases literally pay our mortgage and put mouths, food in the mouths of three trans queers. You know, so it's really community marketing on Tumblr. So I just wanted to quickly point out, like, that's the best type of posts that I found, you know, show the pictures from the inside of your role-playing game book and show and make sure that your value statement of, of who you are and why you exist in the community, you know, is is in there. You know, Blue Roses might be that they have an, a truly inclusive world or, you know, whatever the, your, your value statement is for your thing, it's got to be in there. So that's basically time because they're going to be coming in to, to wrap on us in a few minutes. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Hit us up during the call if you have more questions. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. You can, you can literally find me out front vaping almost any time <laughs> of the, the con. He's like, uh, you're so like the grumpy you... dragon that. Uh... Him and Darren. Him and Darren smokes and he vapes. Here's my. So if you had any questions about anything I was doing. I should be really easy to find. The rest, the, the rest of them, I don't know. But I, me, I assumed you didn't really have any really opinions about the forum, I would, the forum yeah, website, which is what I use, which I sure haven't heard really much to, feedback yeah. about. I think it's mostly for artists. I guess that's why. Give you two minute warning, huh? No, yeah, we're, what, no, we're, what, what I had run into the the issue I ran into when I was trying to do the audits and I had added yours near the end was that there were two really big ones.